Blog Talk Radio. The Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show. The Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show. Your hosts are here for the show tonight to interview our special guest. A show highlight, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, boxing, tennis, golf, story. Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, tune in for all the news and scores, reporting on the games, and so much more, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, the Allen and Chicago area, and uh, a friend of mine um, 
his uh, dad was a member of a sportsman's club. It was called Maywood Sportsman's Club. It was in Elmhurst, Illinois. And um, they did trap shooting there. And um, they were looking for people to put the clay targets on the uh, the machines. That's what the they called them uh, trappers did. And these clay targets are about, you know, four and a half inches wide, maybe about three-quarters of inches wide. And you're in a cement bunker, and you basically put a target on the machine, and the people standing behind the uh, trap house between 16 and 27 yards away would yell, pull, and the person would hit the button, and the machine would launch a target, and then you had to put another one on. (laughs) That was what I did when I was 14 years old, and I really got into that, and I started shooting uh, shotguns, uh, shooting shotgun sports at that point. And uh, I had the opportunity to uh, apply for the uh, trap shooting uh, Olympic team uh, to go to the uh, Olympic Training Center in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. And, you know, I applied like you would apply for a job, and I kind of put my history of what tournaments I had won and everything, and I had got selected to go to the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs when I was in high school, and I spent a good month there. It was an amazing time. And uh, we actually shot at the uh, Air Force Academy, Olympic Trap. Wow. I mean, that sounds like you really got great at it. What was it about the sport that kind of, I know you sound like you did it really, really well. What was it about the sport that said, you know what, this thing, I can't get enough of it? I don't know, but shooting clay targets and watching them break is a pretty addictive sport. Anyone would tell you that, who's who's into that. (laughs) It's also a very expensive sport these days. But, um, uh, you know, I I, I worked. I was young. I was like, like I said, I started working at the gun club when I was like 14 years old. I probably worked there until I was about 18 or 19, and I started shooting. And, you know, when you're young and your reflexes are good, uh, you can do well. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. And Aaron's very familiar with the Colorado Springs area. He's got a chance to go visit there. He wants to ask you something also about that area. Sure. So I got to ask you. I got to ask you this. Uh, you know, I was out there last uh, July, I believe it was, for about a week or so. And the, the actual training center you mentioned there, which I'm sure is probably a little different than it was uh, back in the '80s, but uh, driving by there um, looked like a really nice uh, facility. Have you been there in uh, in more recent years, or? I haven't been to the Olympic Training Center in, in probably about 20 years. And, and it is a beautiful facility. And they um, – I, I don't know what else to say, but they, they train all the Olympic sports there. Um, they had a beautiful indoor, um, you know, rifle and pistol range. The shotgun sports still take a little bit more room, and they never had the room at the Olympic Training Center. And that's why when, when I was there at the time, we actually went off and used the ranges, the outdoor ranges at the, uh, at the Air Force Academy. Wow. So, yes, it definitely it sounds like it was very addictive. And, and now you've moved on to something different. You still shoot, but you shoot billards now, <laughs> cue balls. Well, that's a lot more cost-effective here in Tampa. Uh, I used <laughs> to spend three or $400 a week on, on, on shoot, the shooting sports. And now, now I've got a much more, uh, more economical sport where, where I spend maybe $50 a week on, on the billiards. Um, but we have a we have a pretty good league here in the, the Tampa Bay area. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of the APA, the uh, uh, American Pool Players Association, and there there's several uh, several uh, billiards halls in the area that are part of it. 
And I, I actually play on Thursday nights at a club called uh, Brewlands up in Carrollwood. It's off of Gun Highway. Yeah, I did. And I, I did play see... eight ball and nine ball. Yep. No, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I did say I, I did see the the club. It looks really really cool. And and you mentioned that you got a really good club there, the American Pool Players Association. Can some of the players that you play with actually compete like on an ESPN tournament or something of that caliber? Well, you know, uh, Jeanette Lee is one of the sponsors, and she's all over ESPN, if you know who Jeanette is, the black widow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she's and a she, resident of the Tampa Bay area. So if you go there Thursday night at Brulin's Bar in Billards, you're saying she could show up? She could show up. I, I, won't, I won't guarantee you that she's there every Thursday night, but we have a, we have a great league there. And we have over 100 people, and um, – and there's a, some other clubs in the area too. Uh, by the way, there's a uh, beside uh, Brewlands, there's a Beluka's Bar and Grill in um, Brandon, and there's a Mikey's out in Plant City, and there's Sticks up, and I think that's uh, what, what part of the town is that? Is that? Uh, oh shoot, I'm I'm forgetting that. That's kind of in between Tampa and Clearwater there, off of the. Um, mm. For some reason, the town's escaping me, but there's there's quite a few few uh, places where you, you can play an APA league. Wow. And with you competing with them, how do you normally do as far as your abilities versus theirs? Well, that's the frustrating thing, actually. <laughs> in, in the APA, there's like uh, levels, right? And, and there was the same thing in, in, in shotgun shooting, too. But um, the levels go like from two to like seven. And um, seven like being the highest in the eight ball. And I, I'm like at a three level right now. <laughs> I'm not quite <laughs> as good as I might like to be. <laughs> and you played it just once a week on Thursday nights? I was playing on Wednesdays and Thursdays, but it was getting to be a little too much. And, um, you know, I'd get there at 6 o'clock in the evening, and I wouldn't leave till about 1 o'clock in the morning. And I do have a job to, to, to attend <laughs> to. So I actually cut it back here in January to just Thursdays now. Um yeah, so let so me ask you this on the on the billiard side of things. Sorry, Alan. Uh, let me ask you this on the billiard side of things. Obviously, you know, doing the the uh, the trap shooting before. Obviously, your focus is you know lasering in on on those uh, those uh, clay discs. Now you're uh, you know obviously focusing in on the cue ball and whatever shot you're trying to make. Um, do you find yourself at times trying to do trick shots, or is this? strictly, you know, trying to win the game going in the right order or what, um, what specifically is like the, the, I guess the overall uh, rules of the league that you're in? Well, APA is a, a governing association. So it's mm-hmm. kind of the same all over the world. So they, they, they do have a set of rules and in um, eight ball and nine bar are different games, right? So um, mm-hmm. it, it, in eight ball, basically, you know, you're either low balls, the, the solids, or the, or the high balls, the stripes. And after you sink all of your balls, then you have to call a pocket and, and, and sink the eight ball, right? So that's kind of the eight ball game in kind of a brief summary. The nine ball game is a little different because you only use the first nine balls. And you have to shoot the balls in the pockets in order. So you take turns with your opponent. So um, after, after the uh, person wins the lag and whoever breaks, the, the lowest ball on the table that's left after the break ha, has to be the one that you shoot at. You can't shoot at any other ball. 
and you go in succession until you finally get to the nine ball, and um, and the nine ball is worth two points. So you you basically go by points. So depending on your skill level, you have to get so many points to win the game. Does that which make you, sense? It does. It does. And which of those two? Because those are both uh, obviously different rules for for each game. There. Which of the two do you find uh, more satisfying, and which do you find more challenging out of those two games? You know, it's funny because I, I initially started in only playing eight ball, and then my one team decided to move from eight ball to what they call double jeopardy, where we're playing both nine ball and eight ball on a given night. And they think that uh, the nine ball, playing nine ball, really helps your uh, aim and uh, it helps your eight ball game out. I'm not sure that I'm convinced of that, but it, it is a bit of a different game because in eight ball, you're only shooting at your own color balls. And then at the end, you have to shoot the eight ball. In nine ball, you know, you have a cadence you have to follow. And if you can't, for whatever reason, hit the ball that's next lowest on, on the number, um, you got to try whatever way you can to hit that ball. Otherwise, you're giving the opponent ball in hand, and they can put the ball anywhere on the table. And basically, they're going to be able to hit that ball, right? So it's a little bit different strategy between the two games. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, my game, my team on Thursday nights, we're like in third place in nine ball, but we're like 11th place in eight ball. So, I mean, and it's the same players, right? So there is a, there's obviously a difference in the games. So the same people could be like third place in one, in one, you know, one, uh, the nine balls and 11 in place in eight ball. You know, we're only four weeks into the 16 week season, but there's definitely a difference. Long ways to go, too, of course. Uh, so that's that's an interesting take there. Um, I'm used to playing personally, and I'm not sure, Alan, uh, if he did this or not, but I'm used to playing eight ball myself, and um, I would definitely be at the bottom of the, the, the league's rankings for sure. So <laughs> um, you're you're doing a lot better than I would, so there's no question about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're, doing, you're hanging in there. I mean, I know that you're saying that you're not as great as you would like to be, but can you at least hit the, the cue ball? You know, can you do it behind your back and do little tricks like that, like the beginner-type tricks? Well, yeah, but I don't think you want to do that stuff in these leagues. They was laugh at you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But the, the funny thing about pool is uh, it's like the one game that there is no difference between the sexes. There's no advantage, like, physically, right? I mean, you can mm. think of any other any other game you talk about, you know, Professional golf, they got a women's league, they got a men's league. The shooting sports, they had, you know, if you go to the Olympics, there's, you know, women's and men's trap and men's track and field and women's track and field and all that. But in pool, there really is no advantage whether you're a a man or a woman. And that's what makes it such a fantastic game, actually. Wow. Wow. I didn't, I never thought of it like that. I, you know, so that's, that's definitely an interesting take. And, you know, you got me pumped up to go there just to check it out and see how it is, how this competition level is. What about you, Aaron? What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I've always loved playing uh, playing pool, play, playing billiards. Um, again, I'm not very good at it. Uh, it's fun to kind of get out there. And I always say, kind of like golf, you know, you go out there and kind of go wherever it takes you kind of thing. So <laughs> um, I probably actually, probably actually better at playing pool than I am playing golf and, and it's not nearly as expensive. It doesn't sound like either. So that's probably a good thing. Is there yeah, a mindset? Yeah. Oh, a mindset? Yeah. Well, is there, like, I mean, like in golf, 
where you have to have like a certain positive type of mindset if things don't go your way? Is it the same in, in playing pool? Well, I think in any in any discipline in life, actually, there's a mindset, right? If you if you're going to be if you're going to excel, I I remember going back to the the Olympic Training Academy. They talked to us about visualization way back in the early '80s, right? And if you go back to like Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich book, he talks about yep. visualization. You you've got to have that mindset that you know you can excel, you can win, and you should, and you, and you deserve to win. You know what I mean? You have to be. You have to understand that you're worthy, and you you've got to have a little bit of visualization. And the same thing, you know, applies to the the billiards too, right? Um, it, it's a it's a it's a game more like, you know, I used to shoot moving targets with shotguns, and you know things would move, and you had to have reflexes, and you'd be shooting a you know a pattern at like 70 yards to break targets. But you know, pool is more like shooting rifle. It's more like aiming. So you have to really be able to kind of have some breath work and, and, and move your cue and um, really practice the basics. It's uh, it's really a fine, like, sport, really precision, I would say. Wow. Yeah, that definitely is it's a big, big thing to think about. I'm glad you tell a lot of great listeners about the game of pool, the inside and out. And, and if uh, anybody does want to run into you Thursday night, they'll see you. So that's awesome. And that's going to be, you know, playing the eight or nine ball at the Brewlands Bar and Billards up in Carrollwood for those who want to run into Mark. And when they run into you, they can discuss about your great, you have some great ideas and have a great product about athletes and patches. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, you know, I uh, I got introduced to this um Stem cell therapy actually is what it really is. It's uh, it's a way to stay young. Um, there's a uh, a person here in Orlando. His name is uh, David Schmidt, who's the inventor, and um, he's developed patches. He started back in around 2004, 2005, working for the Navy SEALs, and he was developing a way to uh, have the SEALs have more energy um, rather than using like um, you know drugs, um, you know. And um, he came up with a with a, a path that uses light therapy. Basically, it uses um, your infrared light or your heat that your body, you know, radiates into a uh, a patch that then reflects that light back at a certain wavelength that triggers your uh, your body to do certain things. Kind of like vitamin D, right? When you go out in the sun, if you're out there with your just your shorts on, you don't have any shirt or uh, you know, pants on, you know, you walk around for several hours and all of a sudden, you know, your your body creates vitamin D. Well, they take that technology now to a new level. And, and one of them is elevating a, a copper peptide in your skin that then triggers your body to uh, generate new stem cells. And um, this uh, technology is kind of proven and it's really unique because it can uh, basically make you younger over time by um, keeping your cells young. Yeah, and definitely that's a great thing to to do, stay young. In fact, that's the name of the website is Live Younger with Mark, liveyoungerwithmark.com. And what other things can you tell about people who actually use these patches as far as their, their health and staying young? Well, I can tell you from my personal experience, um, 
you know, I, I only moved to Florida in about 2014, and prior to that I lived in Illinois, and I owned a house. And in about 2010 I was trimming some bushes one time, and I actually almost cut off my right index finger um, because the uh, trimmer, like, reciprocated, like, one more time. And um, I didn't have any feelings in that, that fingertip for, uh, well, up until last year. And, um, I mean, they, they sewed it back on and everything, and it, it was okay, but – I didn't have any feeling in that finger, but I started using these patches, and within about three months, all of a sudden, the feeling, the nerves regenerated, and I had feelings in that finger again. Um, I have a, I have a friend here in, in St. Pete. Her name's Maria. She had a stroke. She's like 46 years old, and she had a stroke, and she was having some cognitive issues, and then she was a little bit um, uh, in her right side, was suffering from a little bit of uh, limpness. She had to do some physical therapy, and she got on these patches, and that, uh, in very short order, her um, her cognitive issues went away, and then all of a sudden she was able to to move her right side of her body again the way she used to be able to move. So it 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 works on different people in different ways. It re- really uh, it, it, it your body heals the way it knows it needs to heal, right? The thing is with with your stem cells as you age, they they. Uh, your body makes less and less of them. And this technology really helps your body make more. Um, you know, when you're 20 years old, if you somehow broke your hip, it would be no big deal. But when you're like 75 and you break your hip, it's like a life-threatening injury, right? Yeah. I mean, wow. Makes you're right sense. about yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. So, and it's because and your body doesn't heal as well when you get older. And, and this technology really resets you and brings you to a younger state. So they found yeah, the fountain yeah. of youth, I guess, is how we could say that. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely real cool. And, in fact, don't forget to check it out, folks. LiveYoungerWithMark.com. And, in fact, the email to reach Mark is Mark at LiveYoungerWithMark.com, too. So it's it's an awesome, awesome product. Make sure you guys... Go ahead and support it. And for those people who don't have motivation to to go outside and do something, Mark's hobbies are hiking, kayaking, biking, power walking, and other outdoor activities. Of those, which one do you enjoy the most or you spend the most time doing? Well, honestly, I probably spent the most time doing my power walking, and I, I, I moved to doing it on the treadmills here because i got a nice treadmill here where I live. But – my favorite thing to do is kayaking on Tampa Bay. I mean, how can you go wrong with that? Oh, wow. That's, that sounds relaxing. Do you get a chance to see manatees out there? Oh, yeah. I mean, you get manatees. Uh, <laughs> dolphins are the favorite, right? Everybody loves to see dolphins. But blue crab, you, you name it. Um, I was just uh, kayaking the other day on the upper Tampa Bay. Are you familiar with that uh, park there off of uh, um, – is that um, – I think that's the Courtney Campbell Causeway. Uh, the right, north, the north, yeah. Yeah, Northern Bridge, yep. Yep. I'm somewhat familiar with the Bridge. area. Not, not, not super familiar with it, but I, I know the, the gist or the area that you're talking about there. Yeah, that, that's wonderful. So even there, you get a chance to see dolphins and manatees. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, that's 
you know, awesome. this time of year, the water's still a little cold, so you can find the manatees pretty much over in, in either Crystal River, River or down by the Apollo Beach by the power plant there. But as, as the water starts warming up, they'll move out everywhere in Tampa Bay again, probably within the next four or five weeks, right? Yeah, because that's, that's the first time I ever – that's ironic you said that, Mark, because that's the first time I ever saw a manatee, you know, out in the wild was when I went all the way to Crystal River. And now you're telling us it's right here in Tampa. You don't have to go that far. Yeah. No, no yeah. If you go by that uh, Tico power plant in Apollo yeah. Beach, um, especially this time of year, they, they, they're all over there because, uh, you know, the power plant spills out warm water and the manatees gravitate to the warmer water. Yep, I was actually just, believe it or not, there, I want to say three, it was actually um, Martin Luther King uh, a holiday back here, I guess, three weeks ago. Um, I have some family that lives not too far from there, and my wife urged us to, to go on the day off to, to go over there. And um, they said that wasn't as many as would normally be there, but there were still probably several hundred of them. So a really neat thing, and of course, um, I'm not sure if you can kayak in that area or not, but um, you're right on the bay, basically, when you're there. I guess that's technically the the uh, bay i think it's the bay of eh, i'm not sure if that's tampa bay or not that area but i mean you're right in that same general vicinity um that was very nice very neat to see all that and it's good to have that outdoor activity like you were saying before uh, kayaking has always been a, a very good uh way to exercise too i think you probably work as many muscles doing that as you would mostly anything else outside and of course you're out on the water so you have the nice breeze typically coming in too so um, and then, of course, you're out there with nature, which is never a bad thing here in Florida. So, <laughs> Never a bad thing. Actually, uh, you, you can kayak over there by the power plant if you bring your own kayak. A little bit south of there in Ruskin is E.G. Simmons. They rent the kayaks there. That's a great place to kayak. And also on the Little Manatee River, um, uh, there's some pretty good places to kayak. In fact, there's a... Um, um, there's a there's a place that actually rents the kayaks there. The 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 Outfitters, I want to say it's called. They're in uh, Winoma, Wymoma. Does that sound right? Um, oh, I've, yeah, I've, yeah. I've done that before too, mm-hmm. and that's always fun. So if you guys are in the kayak, and there's plenty of opportunities here in Tampa Bay. That we you don't know what a area we live in for outdoor activities. I, I mean, I grew up in Chicago all my life, so you know, six months <laughs> of the year it was cold, windy, and rainy. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like night and day, and you get a chance to see dolphins and get a chance to see manatees, and you mentioned crabs. Any other interesting things you've seen doing kayaking? Uh, well, <laughs> I've had fish jump out of the water and hit me in the back of the head in the kayak. You know, when I moved down here, I thought I would love fishing, but honestly, I tried it quite a few times. <laughs> I'm just not really a fisherman, and I know this is really a great fishing area. <laughs> Tampa Bay, but it, it's just not my thing. But um, there's plenty of opportunities to do a lot of fishing here, especially at the Skyway Bridge. Wow. So yeah, the fish, fish seem to congregate there. Go yeah, ahead, no, you think a fish? <laughs> you think a fish jumped out of the water and hit you in the back of the head without you even, you know, putting on a net or anything? <laughs> it did. I was kayaking with my daughter one day. We were in a two-seated kayak, and you, you know, you ever go out in, in uh, Tampa Bay and you see fish kind of jump out of the water? It was the funniest thing. <laughs> it, it hurt like hell, but I laughed like crazy. Wow, it's not like it was a big fish, too. <laughs> no, it was maybe six, seven inches. It wasn't that big, but 
Yeah. And, you know, with the kayaking, do you ever get nervous, like, you know, tipping over or something happening that's unexpected or you're very calm and cool and collected on there? But, you know, the cool thing about Tampa Bay, really, is especially if you're on the Tampa side, the water is pretty darn shallow. You, you really don't. You're not really ever in very deep water. In kayaking, kayaks only need about six inches of water to float. So you could be in pretty darn shallow water and still float. So, no, I've never really been worried about that. Um, you know, on the St. Pete side, Tampa Bay gets a little bit deeper. But even those shipping channels where you see the, the ships coming in and out of Tampa Bay, they have to keep those dreads to keep that deep enough for the ships to come in and out of there. Tampa Bay in general is a pretty shallow waterway. Wow. See, I've lived there all my life. I never realized that. Yeah, see, I, I never I, – <laughs> Me too. See, you're teaching us a lot today. Billards, kayaking, <laughs> trap shooting. <laughs> so if if you're not an outdoorsman or indoorsman, you got an option because you got pool and you got trap shooting a lot more. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you're right, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's really, really informative and and get out there and keep doing what you what you love. And what did you also want to tell our our great fans about yourself, Mark? I think you ought to come out and take a look at the the billiards league. And if you're interested in uh, you know staying healthy longer, I, I'd love to talk to you about the uh, the, the patches, the X thirty nine patches and uh, the stem cell patches. Uh, be wonderful. I think it's yeah. done a lot of good for a lot of people and. Um, yeah, I'm just uh, reach out to me. I'm very personable. I'd love to talk to you. That's right, Mark Rossetti. That's correct. And website again is liveyoungerwithmark.com. That's liveyoungerwithmark.com. His email is mark m a r k. That's m a r k at liveyoungerwithmark.com. Make sure you reach out to Mark Rossetti. As you can see, he's got a wealth of information there. He'd love to meet you. And we look forward to keeping in touch with you and, and definitely sharing some of your experiences with whether it be pool or kayaking and a lot more. So we definitely appreciate you joining us, Mark, here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. It's been a real honor and a pleasure to have you. And definitely take care of yourself and stay healthy. And stay young, too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you as well. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate you. Bye now. Take care. Bye-bye now. All right. So that was great guest there, Mark Rossetti. And definitely make sure you guys go out here and support Mark. That's uh, liveyoungerwithmark.com. Again, it's liveyoungerwithmark.com. Take a look at those great patches and keep in touch with Mark at Mark at liveyoungerwithmark.com. So definitely it's always awesome to have a great guest on our show. Thank you again, Mark Setti, for joining us on the Allen and Aaron Sports Greatest Show. And we have another great guest coming right up right now. Let's bring them on right now. Sounds good, right? Absolutely. Looks like our buddy Lou is joining us here tonight. We missed you last week, Lou. Uh, welcome back here to the Allen and Aaron hey. Sports Talk Podcast. How are you this evening? All right. I think we had some problems last week, but uh, whatever they are, I think they're all clear up now. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you're back. I'm sorry about last week. You know, we we went ahead and had Daisy Kill on the line, a professional wrestler, and it was it was a hectic. We had quite a few callers well, call in, but we're glad honest, you're back. Uh, Let's be honest, Alan. We were afraid to to tell him to stop talking. I mean, I I didn't want to get back to in the head or yeah, anything. I, so, get the head with a cheer, right? Like a body, yeah. A body yeah. slam, either one. You right. know, get the head with with a chair or body slam, suplex, any one of those is enough for us to let uh, Daisy Kill be the boss. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How you been? All right. I mean, we went through. Uh, you know, we had, you know, two games in the uh, conference finals. One game was great, and the other game was the 49ers versus the Eagles. Oof, oof. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, that was pretty bad. I mean, with that game, yeah. but that game was horrible. I didn't, even watch, I didn't even actually watch that game. I'm glad I didn't because I would have been like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to give our take game, here. Go ahead. Yep, sorry. The second game turns to be the better one. Competition was definitely better in the AFC title game for sure. Um, oh, yeah. You know, 49ers, it was almost like they didn't get off the plane uh, there in Philadelphia. I think that was uh, just kind of a deer in the headlights look for the majority of the game there. Uh, and Alan and I are going to go into our uh, in-depth uh, here in a little bit on the, the Super Bowl. Tell us what you think is going to happen on Sunday. Don't ask for the blow off on either side. That's not going to happen. It's going to be a well-placed, uh, fairly often type like a game. So uh, we're not going to be looking at what happened when the Patriots won their last Super Bowl, which was, a, which was one of the most boring games in Super Bowl history. So I'm not looking at that. And I can tell you one thing, bro. Somebody in Kelsey is going to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that is so true. It's kind of like. But I also find who mom likes best. So I have to think about that, too. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you're right about that. One of those Kelsey's is going to be on cloud nine. The other one is going to be really down in the press. Mama's going to have to pick one up, and the other one she's going to celebrate with. So Lou it's going to be a great Super Bowl. Lou has to wear a dress and take out the trash for a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh, but, I'm yeah. going to have fun with this tomorrow. Oh, boy. And I'm glad you asked about that 49ers game. Do you think that Brock Purdy did the right thing by what he did by not at least making an attempt to come back in a game, like realistic attempt to come no. back in a game? No. No, I mean, I agree the injury even more. It was not a good idea. I know they're running out of options, but look, that was not good. He was injured. He was going to play injured and probably re-aggravate even more. Not a smart move at all. Yeah, it's 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 really unfortunate. That was probably the easiest, you know, the, a win is a win is a win. I'll say that. But yeah. I would say the Eagles did have probably the easiest road to the Super Bowl that I probably have seen in, in many, many years. I don't know if I've seen someone who had an easier road to the Super Bowl. The combination of the injury to Brock Purdy and the fact that the 49ers just self-imploded on the it's defensive end with those penalties, it just it just made it to for a cakewalk for for the Eagles to the Super Bowl. Have you ever seen a, an easier road to the Super Bowl yourself, Lou? 
I don't know if I ever say easy. I mean, because there are no easy ways to get there. I mean, you gotta play. You gotta play hard, you know, to win two or three games to get that Super Bowl. So I don't really believe that you know anyone has an quote easy way to get in. I mean, you play who you play. Yeah, I mean the AFC game. I'm sorry, the AFC, the NFC game, the NFC Championship game. That particularly. I mean, the Forest could have been. You know, they were they were stay healthy, but. You know, I wouldn't say that anybody had an easy time. Okay, the Phillies, I mean, the Eagles had a 14-3 record. Great, but that doesn't mean it's going to be a cakewalk to the Super Bowl. Not by any means. No, the deal. Yeah, I think the challenge yeah. now will be the, the, the Chiefs, obviously. They're very well experienced. Um, you know, they've overcome a lot this season and postseason in general. And um, you, you have – even without Tyreek Hill being in Kansas City, you still have one of the best offenses in the NFL. Um, you know, on one side. On the other side, the Eagles, you know, you had a lot of doubters. And I, I told Alan this at the beginning of the season. You know, the one thing that I wanted to see Jalen Hurts do is silence his critics. And I think he's done a very good job of that. And I think winning the Super Bowl here Sunday would, would uh, probably silence him permanently. I think he deserves, yes. a, ton of, I think he deserves a ton of credit for – the great season he had. He had he had the, the injury at the end of the year, and there wasn't a real clear you know path for him coming back. But thankfully for them, he is back now, and it seems like they're clicking on all cylinders going forward. So, mm-hmm. so what you got cooking on your show, Lou, on uh, on tomorrow? Well, let's see. Of course, we're going to have our Super Bowl pregame show, our Super Bowl pregame show. Never mind the other ones, because uh, they can go on forever. Um, well, also, of course, uh, look at back the, uh, this year's version of the Pro Bowl, or whatever you want to call it, uh, the NFL uh, Awards Honors, which happened last night, so I'll run down the list. And I think it's a pretty good list to say so myself. Uh, the NBA trade deadline, we'll talk about LeBron's breaking the record, uh, and the NHL All-Star game as well. So uh, we got a pretty good lineup for tomorrow's show. Uh, remember, it's 4 to 6 Eastern Time. Number to call is 512-543-4662. So, uh, you know, if you're calling this weekend, I'm sure it'll be worth your time. And, yeah. of course, well, with, with that, we'll recap uh, for next week because we'll also dive into that into a, that week next week. Yeah. You get the picture. Yep, 512-543-4662. Again, that's 512-543-4662. Make sure you support our great friend Lou and check out the Enhanced Sports Show. But we definitely appreciate Lou always here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Really appreciate you, Lou. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much, Lou. Always a pleasure. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Have a great weekend. All right, so that was our good buddy Lou. Uh, we're going to go ahead now and uh, really get into the uh, the game. Obviously, that's the big event uh, of the weekend. And, you know, we thought that, uh, especially since this is the, the biggest football game of the year, our good buddy uh, Sam Scola, who wrote our new theme song, he also wrote a song about watching football. So we want to go ahead and play that song again here tonight as we will preview Super Bowl 57.
I think, uh, Alan, and, and I think we'd agree that um, these are the two best teams in each league, uh, no question about it. The, the Chiefs, on the AFC side, they've been to the AFC title game five years in a row. This is their third Super Bowl in the last five years. Eagles, on the other side, a uh, fairly younger team. Um, go back about five years ago, they won their first ever Super Bowl. And uh, some major changes, of course, have taken place since then. They've moved on at the quarterback position to Jalen Hurts. He was drafted uh, in the first round just a few years ago. They moved on to Nick Sirianni as their head coach. I think this is a really great matchup, though. I think two teams that are very, very similar in terms of being balanced. So let's get right into it. What do you think is going to happen here on Super Sunday? Yeah, I think it's going to be a a very – it's going to be a great game. I I don't think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think it's going to be mid to moderately high scoring game is what I think is going to happen. And I think um, it, it is a team to your point, Aaron, that's very evenly matched. You have two great quarterbacks. I do. I've just in my spirit, I feel as if the chiefs are going to win the game. Now I will say over the last 24 hours, I have for the first time kind of waffled a little bit, wavered a little bit towards the Eagles just because there's these late minute, you know, sicknesses and injuries that are popping up for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you know, those those are kind of alarming because the team is very evenly matched. You miss a player or two on the Chiefs, and it could swing right to the Eagles. That's how evenly matched I see these two teams. I, I do – the guys did say that the injury is going to be okay. Barring anything changing on that, and they are going to be okay, I still am going to stick with the Chiefs. 
who I felt was going to win this game originally. But that is, you know, it is subject to change the last minute, but I am still saying the Chiefs are going to win primarily. Why I feel as if the Chiefs are going to win is because, number one, they have Mahomes. Number two, they have Kelsey. Number three, they have Andy Reid. Number four, they have experience. And number five, it's just tough for what I've gotten from coaches and even people who played in the Super Bowl. Your emotion is hard to keep it in check. And I feel like the Chiefs are going to do a better job at that than the Eagles. That is the reason why I'm picking the Chiefs for now, barring any any other additional changes on injuries. But I would definitely want to hear your thoughts. No, I, I, I tend to agree. And uh, I, you know, I could have made my pick a week ago, but I always like to wait till the last weekend or last few days beforehand because you never know if something big comes up. If a guy goes out with a sickness or gets injured in practice, you know, a key player especially that can really change and, and you know, dictate the shape of how the game's going to end up going. I feel like these two teams are probably as evenly matched as we've seen in the Super Bowl in a long time. I mean, you go back, you know, you look at uh, last year as an example, um, you know, you could have made an argument, you know, that it was not a very good matchup. Maybe two years ago when it was Kansas City and Tampa, that was a pretty good, uh, pretty good solid matchup. You had a more veteran team on the Tampa side, especially the quarterback position. Um, but, you know, I really feel that, I'm going to go right into what I think is going to happen here. Because I, I, you have to go with you know who you want to win, which I, I want the Eagles to win this game. But then there's the the smarter side of you that says, well, I've seen this too many times. I know kind of based on what you know is projected to happen and what we've seen with Patrick Mahomes and what he's done the last several years, I'm picking the Chiefs as well to win the game. That's not who I want to win, but I'm going to go with 27-21, uh, Kansas City winning the game. Um, I'm going to paint out this scenario here where Philadelphia is down 27-14 with about five minutes left. They get a quick touchdown, and then it's going to basically be defensive stops at the end of the game, and Kansas City is going to be able to run the clock out, and that's going to be how the game ends. Um, But I like both these teams as far as their skill sets. I think they're, like I said, evenly matched offensively and defensively. Um, It really is a coin flip in a lot of ways. Um, But, uh, you know, hoping for a good Super Bowl. I mean, that, that's the biggest thing. You know, I've watched some of these games in the past. I mean, the very first Super Bowl I ever really watched from start to finish was Joe Montana's final Super Bowl. It was Super Bowl 24, 49ers playing against the Denver Broncos, and, you know, San Francisco won that game 55-10. to 10. So I'm hoping we don't have anything quite like that where it's a big blowout because those are the kind of games you turn off at halftime and you go to bed early kind of thing. So, um but I think this is going to be a good game. I think there will be um, a lot of fanfare. Uh, obviously, you have some huge Eagles fans out there. I know actually several of them myself, and then I have a lot of friends that are Kansas City fans. I have friends that live in Kansas City. So, um, you know, obviously they're uh, painted red, if you will, this weekend. And, uh, of course, uh, pulling for, for their Chiefs there. And here's an interesting thing, too. I don't know how many times this has actually happened. I can only think of one other instance um, but you have Andy Reid, who's facing his former team in the Super Bowl. And the last guy that I can remember that did that, and there may be one other one out there, the last guy that I can recall that did that was the late Dan Reeves. Uh, he coached the Atlanta Falcons in 1998, 1999, and they went, of course, against the Denver Broncos. That was uh, John Elway's final season, final game. 
Um, I don't think there's ever been a coach that has beaten his former team in the Super Bowl. I could be wrong on that. If, uh, if I'm wrong, definitely reach out to us here. Give us a call tonight. Let me know that I'm incorrect on that. But that's a very interesting tidbit. You know, we, we've only seen three or four quarterbacks in NFL history that have taken multiple teams to a Super Bowl. This is another kind of interesting thing where you have a coach facing his former team. So I think that's a little bit of an interesting side storyline. Um, but, I, I, again, I think it's going to be an excellent game. Um, I mean, what, what are your thoughts? So I know there's some additional storylines aside from the game itself with the halftime show and all that kind of stuff. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a great Super Bowl. I really do. I, I agree with you. I think these teams are very evenly matched. And I would not be surprised if the Eagles won this game. I would not. I wouldn't be shocked. I'm with you. I would want the Eagles to win. You know, it's just that not hating on the Chiefs or anything like that. It's just, you know, the Eagles are a team that Jalen Hurts is real cool. I, I would like to see him get his, you know, his first ring or what have you. And and I just feel as if, like, ability-wise, I would have to lead towards the Eagles. I just feel as if I could see why people kind of get turned off a bit by the Chiefs. I, uh, You know, I don't want to go too deep into that. But, yes, <laughs> I, from a fan point of view, I would be rooting for Eagles. But I just feel as if the Chiefs, I felt as if the Bengals had the best opportunity to knock them out. I really do. And the fact that you cannot give a guy as great as Patrick Mahomes, a second chance. I felt like kind of the refs kind of helped out a bit. They gave the Chiefs a second <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> he, he, you know, also not just the refs. I felt as if the Bengals made a bonehead play towards the end of the game. You cannot do that. And instead of a 60-yard kick, you got a 45-yard kick. And again, to the listeners who missed us that week of the game, just about everybody in the NFL can make a 45-yard kick. Not that they can't miss one, but a 45-yard kick is within range of just about every kicker in the league. When you yeah, go to six yeah. yards, that makes a difference, that 15 yards. And, you know, it's kind of like what we talked about with the XFL coaches. you got to have IQ. you got to know that I cannot do – I cannot make a personal foul in this, in this situation. The guy's going out of bounds. I have to ease up. Situational so, awareness, yeah. You gotta have situational awareness, and it—I know you're in the heat of the battle, but you gotta be thinking. It's just like in basketball, just like in, in football, you gotta be thinking about the situation. Meaning, if it's fourth and four, it's better that you kind of let them kick the ball to you rather than you be super aggressive and get a penalty against the kicker. You understand? Sometimes you just gotta be smart about it and just say, you know what? It's more valuable for me to get the ball than it is for me to go ahead and be too aggressive and get a, a penalty. And I, I think sometimes players don't think about that. You know, there's sometimes you have to pull back due to the situation. And I felt as if the Bengals had the best opportunity to knock the Chiefs off, and, it, and they really should have, but they didn't. And because of that, I feel as if the Chiefs are going to – that's the break they needed to win, to, to win it all. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles did win. I really wouldn't. As far as Rihanna, I think she's going to do a great job. She has excellent songs, excellent music. You know, Don't Stop the Music <laughs> is one of don't my favorite songs. 
You know, yep. They don't stop the music, and it, you know it, it is a an indoor stadium, so she's not going to need that umbrella. So <laughs> <laughs> she's not going to need the umbrella. You know, she she she's hey, kudos. Let me give her a round of applause right now. I'll tell you why I'm going to give her a round of applause. That round of applause is to Rihanna because Rihanna is worth a B billion. I mean, she is worth a billion dollars and she is just a juggernaut with, you know, with her fan support and everything. She has great songs to go along with it. And she has the option of having somebody come along with her for a song or two. So I have no doubt she's going to do a wonderful job. In fact, she was already there the last couple of days doing promotion. So it's not like she's coming in this weekend. She's already there. So I saw I saw that it's going to be an outstanding game. And that's the question I want to ask you, Aaron. We're on the doorsteps of getting invited, I feel, to the Super Bowl. Would you go and cover the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show at a Super Bowl? Man, that's that's. I mean, how how, how would you say no to that? You know, I mean, <laughs> absolutely. Where do I sign? <laughs> it's going to happen here. It's going to happen here. I'm going to say by the time we get to Super Bowl 60, if not sooner, uh, we will have yeah, covered yeah, one. Um, you know, and especially if it comes back to, I'm I'm not sure what the schedule is for the next three years or four years. Um, if there's another Florida. Super Bowl on the on the um, on the radar here, but obviously all three Florida cities have had it. You had Jacksonville who had it, uh, I think, way back in 2005. Uh, Tampa had it just two years ago, and Miami, um, you know, they reconfigured their stadium here a few years ago, and I think they may have had a Super Bowl there since then. I'm not 100% certain on that. I'd have to go back and look at the the dates um, to see exactly when they had their last Super Bowl, but. Um, there, there, there is, I, I'll move everything in my schedule and I'm sure you would too, to be a, a ha, to have an opportunity to cover something like that. It would be a really awesome event uh, to be at. So closest thing I've been to that was, uh, the 2008 or I guess it was 2009 Super Bowl, which was the previous time it was in Tampa. I got a chance to go to the NFL experience, which, um, was just a really awesome event. Um, this is well before our podcast years, uh, it would have been, 14 years ago now, I guess. And that was a really cool event uh, to be at. Um, very, very fan-friendly. It's, of course, there for the fans. And so, uh, but yeah, yeah, well, Alan, we'll be there at some point. I think that'll be a great thing. And, um, you know, we look forward to, to covering that someday. So a lot of football yeah. stuff to talk about here. And here's the interesting thing about football. Really, I mean, after this game on Sunday, for the most part of the NFL stuff, we kind of go away from up until free agency and trades and stuff like that. But we have some other football stuff that's going on. Let's talk a little bit about uh, a local uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer now going into the Hall of Fame. Very well deserving of it. Uh, Rondé Barber, who want to congratulate him, of course, on getting the uh, election to go into the Hall of Fame here this summer in Canton, Ohio. Um, 20 years ago this past week, or it might have been the week before, he made maybe the biggest play in Buccaneer football history by intercepting and taking it to the house. Uh, Donovan McNabb, Eagles are driving back to try and get that game closer. And that 85-yard pick six, as you call it, um, cemented Tampa Bay's first trip to the Super Bowl 20 years ago. It was in late January 2003. And so 
for me, and I'm not sure about you, but for me, that's probably the number one play when I think of Rondé Barber. All the great plays he made over the years for the Buccaneers, that's the number one play in my mind. Um, and maybe one of the number one plays in the, in the history of the Tampa franchise. So um, he's definitely very deserving, very humble individual. Um, definitely a guy that I've always appreciated. Uh, three of my favorite defensive players of all time played for Tampa Bay. Uh, John Lynch, who's now the general manager of the 49ers. And, of course, um, the double nickel. Uh, that would be, of course, uh, uh, Mr. Derek Brooks as well. We hope to have him on the show at some point. Uh, but tell me your thoughts on Rondé Barber and this uh, well-deserved uh, election into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to tell you a lot about Rondé. In fact, uh, listeners, let me first and foremost give Rondé Barber a round of applause. Yeah, that's a great question, Aaron. I am so happy and delighted for Rondé Barber. This was something that was well overdue. I don't understand how he didn't get it sooner. I really don't. To your point, I am. I could see the excitement on Derek Brooks, someone who I've met a, a couple times because of Derek Brooks Charities. And yes, definitely somebody we are going to work hard to get on our show. I see that that's just being, you know, something that's going to work itself out in the very near future. But yeah, Rondé Barber is somebody who, really should have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago, kind of like Fred McGriff. I don't know what happened, how he slipped through the cracks, and it took this long. But he, like you, to your point, he made probably one of the best, the greatest plays in Buccaneers history with that pick six in the Super Bowl. And just his career, I mean, he, he's had the longevity. He's somebody who, you know, is not a huge guy. I've actually got a chance to meet Rondé Barber a couple times actually when he was playing for the Bucks and during his playing days I you know I was so honored to get a VIP pass and I had a VIP pass that was given to me for my exemplary work I went and Rondé Barber was so kind of up to sign for everybody he's not much taller than me if I you know we were about the same height and Great guy, and then so he's a pretty got... short guy. Then I, I... <laughs> <laughs> he's 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 no Peyton Manning, you know. He's not real tall and things of that nature, you know. Not to put Ronnie down, but his heart and his determination and his play speak for itself. And then I got a chance to meet him at the Valspar Championship. He was kind of busy. I did ask him to get a picture, but he was on his way. I the timing wasn't right. I did get the picture. Yep, even Allen gets turned out for pictures. But my timing was off. He was kind of like going someplace else. He said he would come back, and that never happened. But I know I will get that opportunity again to get a, a you know up-to-date picture with Rondé Barber. But no harm, no foul. I know it will come because he's a Tampa guy, and I'll run into him at some point. But, yeah, I'm happy for Rondé Barber, his teammates John Lynch, and also Derek Brooks. You could tell they are just as excited if not even more than Rondé, that he got this honor. They felt the same way that we felt is that it should have happened. You can see on their post, they put it on their personal page. They were very excited that Rondé got this. And congratulations to him in August going to Canton. He deserves it. Long overdue, and I am very, very happy for him. So I'm going to give another round of applause for all the time you had to wait.
you think about all those great Buccaneer defensive teams, really from the mid-90s on to about 2003 or four, and he was the last of the, the original group there. Um, I want to say he played until 2009, 2008, somewhere in there, 2010. Um, played a few more years than maybe a lot of people thought he would. And, you know, you think about um, – you know, Warren Sapp on the defensive line. You think about Derek Brooks, uh, maybe one of the, maybe one of the top uh, middle linebackers of all time, at least in the modern era. Um, you think about John Lynch, who, you know, John Lynch, this is the thing I've always said about him. He wouldn't be allowed to play in today's game. They would permanently suspend him for some of the hard hits that he used to level on offensive players back in the, in, in the day. Um, one of my favorite players of all time uh, definitely is John Lynch. So you think now all these guys, Four, four players who all played for Tampa and helped win their first Super Bowl 20 years ago are now Hall of Famers, or one now Hall of Fame bound, of course. So there'll be four of them who are um, who are there. A lot of that goes to the credit of Tony Dungy, who was the head coach in Tampa um, when a lot of those guys' careers began. And I'll even go further back than that. Sam Weish, who was the previous head coach for having um, the foresight to, to draft each of those guys or to, to draft some of those earlier guys back in the old uh, creamsicle days when they used to wear the old uh, Bucko Bruce jerseys. Um, and then, of course, Tony Dungy came along in 1996 and completely turned that franchise around, um, building on the defensive side of the football and building with building blocks, if you will. Um, and that, of course, culminated in 2002 with uh, the franchise's first Super Bowl. So proud moment. Um, I watched Rondé Barber's entire career being in the Tampa Bay area myself, and I know you've watched a lot of his career, so very, very happy for him. Um, it's very well deserved, and he's another guy who always has a smile on his face. And when he saw that announcement being made that he uh, he got the nod there, it's like that smile doubled, which is hard to do because he's always smiling, like I mentioned before. So, um, football doesn't end after the Super Bowl. Uh, Alan, you have done some great uh, work here for us uh, over the last week or so with the uh, rebranding of the uh, XFL. Of course, you have the Orlando. Guardians, you got an opportunity to go over and be a big part of um, their press conferences here a couple weeks ago, and now you've talked to their head coach. Um, tell us about the Orlando Guardians. Uh, it seems like you're almost like the spokesperson at this point. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm I'm really honored and blessed to be, you know, somebody that the Orlando Guardians rely on to get out a lot of great information for the fans, and that is through interviews, through press releases. I feel honored to be associated with the Orlando Guardians. I have a great feeling that the XFL is going to do outstanding. This third time's a charm, and I feel like this is going to be the time that hits the spot. A lot of great things to report about the Orlando Guardians. In fact, I will be at the conference tomorrow, the media center tomorrow, to go ahead and talk with some additional players. I feel like I've already got a lot, but there's more to be, to be met. They cut it down to the 50-man roster, and I just wanted to say if you made it, congratulations. Let me give you a round of applause if you are one of the 51 that have made the XFL team, and yes, there are cuts for XFL just like they are the NFL, so congratulations to those who made it 51. To those who unfortunately didn't make the team or hope to make the team, please visit our YouTube channel at YouTube. Just type in Alan, A-L-A-N, 
That's A-L-A-N and then Alford, A-L-F-O-R-D, A-L-F-O-R-D, Alan Alford. You will see the interviews I've done with the coaches. And I specifically asked that question because we were at the week of cuts. And I know that that's a real, you know, that's a dicey week, even for the coaches. They'll tell you exactly what you need to do if you did get cut so that you can go ahead and make the team next year. Your journey does not end. It just begins. So keep your head up high if you didn't make the team. There's also a great announcement to make, and that is that, you know, the Orlando Guardians now have, a, you know, a bear, a bear, official bear. You know, for, that's something that's different. You know, they have an official bear and an official sponsor, which is awesome. Let me go ahead and give her a round of applause for that as well. Let me do that for the great exclusive sponsorship that is has now in effect. Let me do that. And this was a press release the XFL did give me. It's for the Ivanhoe Park Brewing Company right there in Orlando. They are the official craft beer sponsor of the Orlando Guardians. Before I go into their great event, what do you think about that, Aaron, about being an official sponsor of the craft beer, the well, Ivanhoe a, Park Brewing Company? Yeah, that's, that's a great thing for, from both sides. From the team perspective, um, you've got the community believing in you, so that's a, a positive there. And then on the other side, from the, the craft brewery uh, beer side, you've got a name now you can attach to that. So this is going to help them grow even more. I know these craft breweries are, are a really popular thing in today's uh, today's world. So now for them, you know, you go to a game or you hear a commercial or you see, hey, they're the official beer. You heard it right here first on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio podcast. I mean, that that, that takes off. That, uh, that goes viral and people want to start buying it. And, um, you know, we're just happy to be able to contribute in that area. So that's definitely a really cool thing. It is. You know, we're really, truly honored that the XFL and the Orlando Gardens would go ahead and give us this information first and foremost, and we put it out. And the great thing about the Ellen and Aaron Sports Radio Show is that when we get press conferences, we want to make sure it looks neat and looks good. So there might be a little bit of delay for us to put it out, but that's a good thing because if you look at the packaging, it looks it looks fantastic. The colors of the beer, Ivanhoe Park Brewing Company, they they already liked our posts and they're following us. Because they saw the post, I really, we really appreciate that for the Ivanhoe Park Brewing Company. Let me give a round of applause for, for that as well. So when one season ends, that's the NFL. Another one starts. The season for the XFL starts on October 18th. I'm sorry, October 18th. February 18th. February 18th. It starts February 18th, which is next Saturday. Now, the Orlando Guardians start away, but the great thing is on February 18th, they're going to have the unveil, the official Guardians beer. They're going to have a watch party right there at the brewery, which is awesome, at Ivanhoe Park Brewing. All fans are invited to gather at Ivanhoe Park Brewing right there where they're making the beer, folks, at 1300 Alden Road, Orlando, Florida. It is 1300 Alden Road, Orlando, Florida, 32803. You can get there as early as 6.30 p.m. to take part in the festivities. The kickoff of the game, 
against Houston and the Guardians is at 8.30, and they're going to be playing the Houston Roughnecks. There will be food trucks on site for the watch party, and early arrival is highly encouraged. Definitely want to let you guys know to get there early. In addition, the Orlando Guardians marketing team will be on hand to give away to give away team giveaways and opportunities to pick up tickets for the home opener, which is on the 26th. So a week later is the home opener on February 26th. You know, and I'm going to read a quote by the co-founder, which is Glenn Colson and the CEO of Ivanhoe Park Brewing. This is a quote, getting professional football back in Orlando is very exciting and we're honored to be a part of it, said Glenn Colson. And the leadership and management of the Orlando Guardians have been great to work with, and we know our brand will be well representative. We look forward to the partnership of having our commitment to community, as you mentioned, community there, Aaron, continued through the efforts of the Guardians. We can't wait to see Orlando out supporting and cheering on the Guardians while enjoying a locally brewed Orlando craft beer, which is really cool. As the official craft beer sponsor of the Orlando Guardians, Ivanhoe Park Beer will be available at Camping World Stadium on game days. The official Guardians Beer will also be available throughout the season at the brewery. So if you go to the brewery through the season, you'll be able to go ahead and get the hometown beer. So I want to congratulate Ivanhoe Park Brewery, the XFL, and the Orlando Guardians for this awesome announcement and for giving us the Allen Adams Sports Greatest so or the press release to release this to you guys publicly. Let me give another round of applause for that. So, hey, Aaron, Lots that's something different. So what are your thoughts about that? No, I, I, I think that's really neat. Uh, I really hope it is successful um, with uh, not just the, you know, the Orlando franchise, but the entire league. Uh, I think a lot of people have been looking forward to this. A lot of money and time has been invested into it. You have a, a craft brewery that's, local to Orlando. This could be their opportunity to, to really uh, jettison, uh, you know, sales and things of that nature. So it's definitely a cool um, culmination of, uh, of both football and beer. And of course, as I mentioned before, community. And it has been a while since we've seen a uh, professional football franchise in Orlando. Obviously, you had the, um, the uh, Arena Football League there years and years ago. I think it was the Predators, if I remember correctly. So it'll be nice to have XFL football there. And I definitely hope it does uh, succeed. Uh, this is, of course, as you mentioned, the third time, and hopefully the third time is, of course, the charm. And I think uh, a lot of people are going to be very, very excited to watch XFL football coming up here starting next week. Now, we are at the time of the year where this is probably one of the busiest sports times of the year. I mentioned this a week ago. Um, Super Bowl is on Sunday, of course. We don't take a, a break after that, though. You've got speed weeks coming up here. We'll talk about that here in a moment. Pitchers and catchers report next uh, next Wednesday and a lot of places Thursday, depending on where you're at. So we're going to have a lot of that to talk about. Um, you know, spring training is right around the corner. Um, we've got um, March Madness is just around the corner as well. Then, you know, the Final Four tournament and all that good stuff. And then, of course, we get to mid-April and we've got the Masters. So you and I are going to have no shortage of information to go over uh, for the next, uh, well, for the foreseeable future, essentially. But I kind of let the cat out of the bag there a moment ago. Speed Weeks begins this week. This is always a great time if you are an auto sports fan. Um, next Sunday, of course, is the Great American Race, the Daytona 500. 
And, Alan, the great thing about NASCAR, they are so uh, great with us here. They have granted us uh, the opportunity to join them uh, this coming week. I know you're going to be up there, I think, on Wednesday or Thursday. I'll be joining you on Saturday. And then, of course, uh, the, the big race, the 500, next Sunday. I am absolutely looking forward to it. Um, tell us a little, a little bit about your experience from a year ago having covered this race previously. It really is a hidden gem for people who haven't been to the Daytona 500 to NASCAR. It is really cool. You never know who you're going to meet. It, you know, you got to keep your head on a swivel because you can meet into, you know, a big time country singer. You can meet Pitbull who owns a team. You can meet Michael Jordan. I ran into Emma Smith. I was so good. He was so gracious to give us an interview. Emma Smith last year. And last year I only did the weekend, the Saturday and Sunday. So just imagine if I was there early, like I'm going to be there this year, I'll be there from Wednesday through Sunday. Last year, I was only there Saturday and Sunday, which was great. But some of the press conferences that I had missed with some of the players, I did go ahead and run it to Charles Woodson. I did go to his press conference and did get a chance to meet Charles Woodson. It's an awesome experience, man. It is. It's a lot of fun, a lot of racing, fast cars. It's it's a good it's a really nice crowd, but it's not overcrowded where you feel like people's on top of you. It, it was awesome. We went ahead at the Allen Aaron Sports Radio Show. We had our setup. We just sincerely want to thank the Daytona 500 for giving us even more access this year. We're going to be there longer. We'll have a little bit more access with the media as well. As far as not only we're we going to be there longer, but we'll have professional photography access as well as other things to give you guys some great content but we're excited about doing a great job there and giving you guys some inside look of what's going on looking to get some great interviews from some great guys and speaking of that i am looking forward to daytona 500 dramatically i'm going to ask the ask this question after we talk about the daytona 500 to you aaron but man i am really truly excited about this event the Daytona 500, it's going to be, it's going to be, gentlemen, start your engines. You know, I, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm excited. And that, I did want to let the fans know, that is the only reason why I will not, unfortunately, at the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show, we did post up the news press conference. I did want to let people know, just in case you show up to Orlando, expected to see us there, because we was, you know, definitely one of the, to get the media out and let you guys know it was first and foremost to the best of my knowledge to let people know publicly that I will let you know that we unfortunately would not be there because we're going to be at the Daytona 500. If I was not going to be at the Daytona 500, I would be at that brewery on the 18th. But unfortunately that's on next Saturday. We were going to be at Daytona 500. This was set up months ago. So I didn't, you know, I didn't want to let people know that. So if they are disappointed, not seeing us, that is the reason why we get the information out. But the 18th was not the Guardians' home opener. It was their way. But, yes, what do you think about Daytona 500 yourself, Aaron? Well, this will be my second one that I've been to. I went uh, 2020, so three years ago. And, unfortunately, the race only went about 20 or 25 laps before rain set in. And, uh, pardon me, they ended up uh, delaying it till the next day. And, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go back. Uh, because of uh, scheduling conflicts. Um, I've been to, I don't know, five or six races, I think, at Daytona over the last uh, dozen or so years. 
Um, the neat thing is, uh, I know we're going to be down on Radio Road. You're basically right around the corner from my understanding of, uh, of you know, Pit Road and all that kind of stuff. And I did get an opportunity in 2016 to be on Pit Road uh, for uh, the race that takes place the day before the 500. It usually changes sponsorships every couple of years. So this year it's the Beef It's What's for Dinner 300. I'll get into that here a little bit more in a moment. That'll be the Saturday race. Um, but it's, it's a neat experience. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, both the Saturday and the Sunday race course, the 500 is the main event, but everything leading up to it, like you said before, you never know who you might run into. You never know who you're rubbing shoulders with. You might look over and see somebody that you're like, oh, I can't believe that guy's standing next to me. And I know you got a chance to talk to Emmett Smith last, uh, last year. Yeah. Uh, one of the great Florida Gators of all time. And of course the all-time leading rusher in the NFL um, as well. And I think we're going to probably run into some really cool famous people here on uh, on Saturday and Sunday and of course you'll be there for the few days ahead of me there so hopefully you are uh, able to have that opportunity uh, as well I wanted to throw this out there because um, it just seems appropriate it is the Saturday race the beef it's what's for dinner 300 and beef and barbecue sauce they just seem to go together so anyone who's watching that race I just want to throw this out there again uh, our great sponsor is Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce get yourself a four-pack um, hopefully you already have one for the Super Bowl. If not, get one for the Daytona 500 next week. And also watch the uh, Beef It's What's for Dinner 300 on Saturday night, uh, which is next uh, next week. So, um, Alan, you have some boxing news that uh, you wanted to bring to us here, and then our, our show will wrap up here for the week. Yes, I definitely want to talk about the boxing news and get you guys up to date on that. But I did want to ask you a question, Aaron. Mm-hmm. You know, LeBron James did go ahead and get the record. He beat, you know, he went ahead and passed Kareem, and now he's the all-time leading scorer in NBA history, number one spot. Kind of a two-part question. What are your thoughts about him getting the number one spot, all-time scoring points, and does this move the needle for you with the GOAT conversation? Um, so as far as him getting it, uh, I think that shows longevity of a career. He's a great player. He's one of the top five players in the history of the NBA. No question about that. Um, does it move the needle for me? Um, I'm going to stick with what I've said for years. No, it does not. Um, I, I know the comparisons between Michael Jordan, of course, and, and LeBron James. And skill set-wise, obviously a very similar skill set, Leadership-wise, I, I believe that Jordan was a better leader. Um, Jordan didn't have to chase championships. Championships, guys wanted to come play with him in Chicago. Um, he never lost an NBA title. Uh, he won six, twice won three in a row. Um, was still in excellent enough condition even in his later years, uh, you know, close to 40, I think 38 or, or 39, came back and played you know, for the Washington Wizards. Um, you know, He took a couple breaks in his career. To me, he's the greatest athlete of the 20th century. Obviously, he took a couple of years off and played baseball. Um, I think a lot more of that was probably personal in nature, given the situation that happened with his dad, of course. Uh, on the other side, LeBron, and I'm not knocking LeBron as far as his athletic ability. He's one of the greatest uh, of this century that we're in now. Um, but he had to chase his championships. And different mentality, different era, obviously, you know, nobody really knows what would happen if these two guys in their primes played each other. It would be impossible to know that. That's like comparing Joe Montana and Tom Brady to each other. You just really don't know. You know, just different eras, different times, that kind of thing. Um, but I'll, I'll throw these facts out there. 
LeBron has lost uh, as many NBA titles, I believe, as Jordan won. I could be wrong on that by one or two, but he's lost several times. He had to leave Cleveland, which he was king of the throne there, essentially, because he was from that area. Left and went to Miami. Won a couple championships down there. Went back to Cleveland. It was like he'd come back home again, and everybody had forgiven him. And then, of course, they wanted to burn his jerseys again when he left and went to L.A. And, of course, he's won in L.A. Great thing that he's won in three different cities, an NBA title, of course. But, again, was as I mentioned before, he had to chase those championships and go somewhere else rather than be patient and win them where he was at. So it doesn't move the, uh, the needle for me. Um, you know, 6-0 for Jordan, and I'm not sure what the record is overall for LeBron, but congratulations to him for, for getting that, uh, that all-time scoring record. That is definitely a, a monumental achievement, and uh, we definitely congratulate him for it. Yeah, in fact, let me give him a round of applause, LeBron James, for breaking the record, and then I'll go ahead and tell you my thoughts on it. Yeah, it is It is a remarkable achievement. Let me say that first and foremost. What LeBron James did, it shouldn't be undercut or undersold. To be the leading scorer is phenomenal. And not only that, to LeBron's credit, he is a pass-first guy. And that, you know what I mean, he is not like a Kobe. And he's not like, you know, may he rest in peace, the late, great Kobe Bryant. And he's not like Michael Jordan in the fact that those two are more shooters. Shoot first, ask questions later. LeBron is, is, is not selfish in that regard. He's a phenomenal passer, and he even likes to pass the ball and get his teammates involved. I think that is very, very commendable in his game. And for him to still, even with the longevity, to put his body through the amount of you know, drives that he does and, and put his body through that for this amount of time, for him to have that record and not even being a shoot first guy, that is just remarkable. And he is just an outstanding athlete, definitely a, you know, a fantastic player. To your point, Aaron, it's hard to compare him against Jordan. They're two different type of players and body frames and types. I, I, you know, LeBron James is making the argument. I feel hard against Jordan but I would have to agree with you. The thing about LeBron is there have been times where he went to the finals where he was just simply overmatched. You know, I will say when his first year with Cleveland, he was overmatched. And I'll even say one of the two, you know, two or three times that he went to the finals, he was playing against a team where it was LeBron and really not much else against a far superior team. But even Mm -hmm. if you take away the first year in, you know, when he made the, the finals against Cleveland, and you take away one or two championships, it's still, he's only got four rings out of nine, which is not great. And not only that, one of those years he lost against Dallas, where it was the opposite. LeBron was really, his team was a favorite, and Dirk Nowitzki, he made Dirk Nowitzki's career with that back fade shot. They have a statue now because of Dirk outside of the building because he won that championship. And that's yeah, part yeah. and parcel by beating LeBron. And even if you, you know what I mean? Even if you take the two or three that felt like LeBron really was up against the eight ball and winning, well, I would use that reference because we talked about pool. He still only has four out of nine championships. 
if you're going to be the GOAT, I know that that is, it's unfair. I get it. But you're putting yourself in the greatest of all time. You have to put yourself, I would say, if at least if he tied Michael Jordan six out of nine, I would probably give him the benefit of the doubt with everything else he's achieved. But four out of nine doesn't sound that great when you're the GOAT. And to your point, he did have to go to teams and build a dynasty, you know, with the 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 three guys there in Miami. He had to piecemeal it. Whereas Jordan, they built the team around him. And yet Jordan had a better team than LeBron. I would say in almost every time I would take yeah, that Chicago Bulls team. I would take that Chicago Bulls team against any team. I'm sorry. Any one of those six championships. Give me any one of those against LeBron. I, think the I agree. And, 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 and honestly, I think the second three-peat was probably more fun than the first one, but the first one was a lot of – was a young team. I mean, I remember watching that, that entire three consecutive years and then the second three consecutive years. And I've always made this argument, too, had Michael Jordan not retired in 1993 or four, whatever year it was, uh, to go play baseball for two years, no doubt in my mind. There is no one out there who can convince me otherwise. The Bulls would have won eight consecutive titles. They would have won those two years he was out. Um, the other thing I'll throw out there to you too, and again, sometimes you have to separate the, the, the difference between the player as a player on the court and then the player in terms of their, their mentality and their outlook on things. LeBron James to me has always seemed as though his intention is to be the greatest of all time. He has sought that title. He has sought that wanting to be great. Um, after all, he's King James. Michael Jordan never really sought that. And I'm not saying he didn't want it, because who wouldn't want to have that? I think Jordan led by example um, in a much better way than LeBron. Again, two different eras. We were talking about two different time frames of players here, basically you know, from the time that LeBron started his career in 2003. Jordan started his in, what, 84, 20, 21 years between those two times. So that's a whole different generation. Um, but I don't think Michael Jordan ever had the intention of being, you know, called the greatest of all time. I think he just went out there and played and played as hard as he could and wanted to make his teammates and himself better and form the best for the Chicago Bulls. And look, I, I don't know too many people who weren't Chicago Bulls fans in the 1990s. They were probably one of the most fun sports teams to watch. And everybody was out in their driveway shooting hoops, you know, Hey, I'm Michael Jordan, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, but uh, it's always good. It's, it's a good debate because, uh, you know, I know people on both sides of it. Um, but, of course, the ones on the LeBron side are always wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, I still couldn't put LeBron ahead of Jordan. And as much I really admire everything that LeBron does in a lot of ways, I just couldn't do it. You know, only knock I would give on LeBron is, yeah, he does get a, a little bit whiny, I think, sometimes with the complaining. He kind of gets melodramatic with that. And... You know, Jordan did complain, too. You know, let me not sugarcoat that. The Jordan did complain, too, but I feel as if the theatrics that LeBron goes The emotions. The emotions yeah, the emotions, the way he show. shows it, it does come across, you know, to be fair, it does come across kind of like babyish. It does. Yep. It really does. Whiny, crybabyish type of thing. And believe me, you, I'm a foster parent, so I see that. I see that behavior several times, countless times. Yeah, it does. And then 
you know, telling the security guard to, you know, kick this person out, kick this person out. You could see in a lot of shots that Jordan has taken that when he played in enemy territory, you could see the seething in people's eyes, the disdain for Jordan, not because he, they hated him, but because they hated how great he was, that he was going to probably take down your team. You could just see in the crowd, they, he was in the arena and they were just seething at the teeth with disdain with this guy. What are your thoughts on that, that right there, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that there's another difference right there. Jordan, I think, really relished in that kind of uh, in that kind of uh, situation. I think that he was actually better in that backed into a corner spot, as opposed to, and I'm just being fair and honest here, an analysis from uh, someone who, you know, analyzes uh, uh, things in the sports world. You mentioned LeBron with the theatrics and the let's call it what it is, the, the whininess. You saw that uh, no foul call against the Celtics, I think it was a couple weeks back, and he just continued to, you know, it was almost like uh, watching a Broadway play where the king gets stabbed inside at the end of the at the end <laughs> of the show, and he just kept on going and going and going. And, and, Eat you, Brute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and, and it just, it, it seems like there's a, a big difference there. And you talk about people getting thrown out you know, who are opposing fans, um, it's happened multiple times. I don't think er- Jordan ever had anything like that happen, to my knowledge. I could be wrong on that, but to my knowledge, it never happened with him. And I think LeBron, he, he doesn't like criticism. He, he doesn't like people to, to talk, you know, negative about him or, or you know, whereas Jordan, I think, I, I don't know anybody who's out there saying, I, I want to hear criticism or I want to have people booing me or anything like that. But I think Jordan took it upon himself to say, look, haters are going to hate. I'm still going to go out there and play my game. And I don't think LeBron has that same sense to him as what Jordan has to him. The other thing too, now Jordan spoke a lot. He spoke more through his play. Jordan was very uh, noble in my opinion in that sense. Now behind closed doors might've been a different story, but I, I believe that Jordan's play was more of his talking than his mouth versus LeBron, who again, this is a different generation that we're in now, uh, different, uh, different time zone or time frame rather. Um, you know, he kind of calls it as he sees it. And if he doesn't like something, he's going to say something. I don't think he handles the criticism very well at all. Um, just to reiterate that point from before. And, you know, maybe that's a, a flaw. I, I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not a sports psychologist or anything like that. But um, that's just the differences I see between these two guys. So when I have this discussion with somebody who likes to, to debate, you know, who's the greatest of all time, I don't think it is limited to just the play and the numbers and the championships. I think there's a lot of other things to talk about in that too, because they are different people at the same time. So. No, I agree. And there are different people and people handle things differently, but I do think there's a super sensitivity that I feel that LeBron gets when you do say something critical about him, even if it's not something really big. And yeah, it, it, just because somebody criticizes you, it's not always hating. Meaning, I don't yeah. hate on LeBron. You know, I wish him the well. And I said this several times on our show that, man, this guy is a great leader when it comes to, you know, the black and brown community. I mean, let's just call it for what it is. The guy is willing to put himself in the fire. He's willing to, you know, take a knock sometimes on sponsorship because he are talking about political issues. Whether you agree or disagree, that's what happens. He's willing to do it. And kudos to him. There's a lot of wonderful things about LeBron, but 
yeah, there are some things that, you know, constructive criticism. Yeah, I do think you're not going to always get the call. You're six foot nine. Yep. You're, you're running down the court hard. Yeah, it's not going to always go your way where somebody doesn't foul you. Like, <laughs> if I was on a team, I probably would foul you too. I hate to say it, but I mean, I wouldn't make it obvious, but come on. What else, what else is a person going to do to stop you from scoring? You know what I mean? It's like a freight train. You yeah, better no, just, you can, yeah, like, and I just think the theatrics, like you said, the E2 Brute is just all right. Like, okay, like, come on, come on. Like, getting out your knees, asking security to throw you out. It, it just seems like you're very, very thin-skinned and, and on edge where something, I, I bet you nobody says anything critical about him that's in his inner circle at all because you're going to get kicked out. Don't 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 pass go. You're out. So you got to be a little bit thicker than that. But you know what? LeBron James is great. I will still say this: he's building up a fantastic resume. And if you exclude the finals, you would have to say LeBron. But most people are going to include the finals. I hate to say it that too. That's just the way it is. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's I think the most fair way to go about it for sure. So, yeah. but that's a debate that that's a debate yeah. I think it'll live on for a long time. I don't think you'll see this go away anytime soon. Um, but here's the other thing too. I'll say, you know, Jordan, like I mentioned before, he took those two years off, and then he retired after what was it, the ninety eight uh, ninety eight ninety nine season or ninety seven ninety eight season. He probably if he if he had played all the way up until 2003 when he retired. And of course that was the year LeBron came into the league. He would have played 20 years or so in the league as well, Jordan. And so who knows where his numbers would have been? Who knows how many more titles he possibly would have won. And, you know, when you go back and watch um, the documentary on the, on the nineties uh, bulls teams, which is still in my opinion, one of the best documentaries out there. The biggest thing to me that I took away from that at the very end, and it was kind of sad is, how management really wanted to just break that team up. They didn't want to keep Phil Jackson there. Phil Jackson was kind of the glue at the end that held everything together. They wanted to play for Phil Jackson. Um, and when they said they wanted to move on from Phil Jackson, it was like, well, I don't, Jordan's like, I'm not, I'm not going to keep playing. You know, so I think kind of look at that as kind of the catalyst for why that team fell apart and wasn't successful beyond that. Cause I think Jordan would have played longer had they held on to Phil Jackson. So it's always a could, yeah. could could have been or what could have been kind of a thing. So, and that's that's what you're saying is right because it's it's it is kind of sad in a way because you know it's it's one of those things where they had everything going for themselves and ego, pride, and people want to get their their shine. That's what got in the way of them being a team that would have won more championships. That's kind of like the sad part of the story is the fact that, you know, they were the king of the, the crown. I mean, for you to beat the Utah Jazz a second time with Carl Malone and Stockton on the team, and you had to beat yep. them a second time, and you beat them on the road, that is, you talk about level of difficulty, that is something unbelievable. And you're right, it's kind of like they didn't get a chance, you know, Jordan didn't get a chance to play until he actually maybe would have gotten to a seven or maybe would have lost a finals. He didn't even get to the maybe because yes, he was wore out at the end of that second three peat, 
but the team just went different ways and uh, and that's the that's the tragedy of it is that you had a situation where things were going great and they just kind of went their their own way i mean that's just the thing that what is your take on that yeah i mean it's it's a you'll never know kind of a, a mentality um I'm trying to think of another franchise. Uh, Dallas Cowboys in the 90s were kind of the same way. You kind of had things start to kind of break apart with them. You know, they won three Super Bowls in a four-year span and were still fairly decent after that last Super Bowl, um, 1995 season, I believe it was. And of course, they beat the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers in the Super Bowl that year. Um, you know, and then, you know, you go back a couple of years before that, they had uh, moved on from Jimmy Johnson. Um, that was a big uh, fiasco between him and, of course, uh, Jerry Jones, you know, the owner there. So they bring in another coach who'd had some success at the college level, and they won a Super Bowl in the uh, second year that he was there. And then it kind of all fell apart after that. Now, I think that was a little bit more um, organic, I guess would be the word to use. Uh, that was just kind of naturally, these guys are getting older. You're starting to lose pieces of uh, players of free agency and things along those lines. Whereas the Bulls, you know, and I don't remember everybody they had on that team the last year they played. I know it was um, obviously Jordan and Pippen and Rodman, and I think John Paxson was still there. He might have been gone by then, though. Um, those guys all wanted to be there. They didn't want to leave. They wanted to continue that thing on. And, you know, again, as I mentioned before, I put the blame on ma uh, management and ownership for basically breaking that apart. You know, that was a, a tough thing to watch, but kind of knew. I mean, it was kind of like written on the wall. It was um, very poetic, I guess. That last shot that Jordan took as a bull, the, the fadeaway to seal the second three-peat, that'll be the lasting memory of, of uh, Chicago Bulls basketball in general. And then, of course, the Jordan era in Chicago. And I still think, you know, it's been 20 years since he retired a second time, I guess technically, yeah, second time. Him playing for the Washington Wizards was such a weird thing to see him in that strange colored uniform with wizards on the front. It was almost like he was in a cartoon, which he was in a cartoon himself before. Um, but it was almost like he was playing in a cartoon at that point. So um, those are the lasting memories I have of that, uh, that uh, dominant team. And, you know, like I said, I wish that he hadn't retired that first time. Obviously I understand the circumstances that led to that happening, but it's kind of that what would have been had he played the 94, 95 seasons or 93, 94 seasons, um, I think no, 94, 95, you know, the, the Rockets won those two years, uh, back to back NBA championships. You wonder if the bulls would have been, like I said, eight in a row, that would have been a really amazing accomplishment to have. Yeah. You know, I, I actually look at it a different way. I think it was actually a good thing. He took that break. He had a lot going on, you know, unfortunately with, you know, may rest in peace, his father passing. I think he was getting kind of burnt out a bit. And like he mentioned, he was losing the passion. I, I think it was a good break for him to actually retire and come back. I think he needed a mental break. You know, sometimes I've been there, so I, I'm not, you know, I'm not Michael Jordan, but I've been in high-pressure situations where even when things are going your way and something personal happens, you feel like you need a mental break, a timeout. And I feel as if I understood where he was coming from by taking the time off. And I think that kind of recharges batteries. I, I look at more or less not the first retirement. I look at what sticks out to me was the way that it ended, this dynasty ended. The fact that you had, like you said, to your point, Phil Jackson, 
They wanted him out. And then you had Jerry Krause, who wanted to get his credit. You had Pippen, who was fighting with Jerry Krause. I look at the turmoil the last year. It's amazing that they won that championship the last year. But I look at that, to me, more than anything, than Jordan's break. I, I really do. I feel as if, even with him taking a couple years off, it saved his, you know, his body and his energy. Mm-hmm. Had they not break up this team, they could have at least got one possibly two more years of championships because the the Utah Jazz, after that second defeat, they pretty much were shell-shocked. If he had to fight them, if he had to play them a third time, Jordan would have won easier in the third time than he did the second. Because I, I felt as if it was just a too gut-wrenching for the Utah Jazz to lose a second time to them. And I look at the dismantling as really the tragic end to the era. You understand what I'm saying? I look at that yeah. more so than him taking the first retirement because I think he needed it. He needed that break. And it probably would have not been good for him had he did continue without a break. But as you mentioned, this 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 debate could go on for, for years. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, very interesting. Um, and, of course, we'll hear different arguments about that for pretty much the rest of time. So. Uh, but a great show here tonight, uh, Alan. I want to definitely again thank, uh, of course, Lou, our good buddy Lou, for calling in. I want to thank again uh, our special guest tonight, uh, Mr. Mark Rossetti. Um, great sponsor, of course, uh, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. Hopefully, you all have some of that for Super Sunday coming up here on um, on Sunday evening. And of course, uh, thanks again to our uh, good friend uh, Sam Scola for providing us some great uh, theme songs and some football music and all those sorts of things. And we're looking forward to this week coming up here. Daytona is going to be uh, a blast. And um, you know, the week after that, spring training begins. So we'll get some great pictures and hopefully maybe some some additional content from uh, from the Grapefruit League here in Florida. Um, but I definitely want to say, again, thank you to everyone here tonight, uh, our great listeners. Thank you for uh, for supporting us uh, without you. Of course, this is nothing at that point uh, without our fans. So we look forward to being back with you again next week uh, alan will be up in daytona i will be joining him on saturday so um we'll uh we'll of course have a lot of fun with that so for all of our guests and uh, of course uh, all the content here tonight and for alan this is aaron signing off have a great week everybody
Thank you for listening to the Evan Aaron Sports Talk Podcast. Subscribe and check us out on your favorite social media platform. Thank you.